What's up? What's up? This is Paulie Shore, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Interested. Why do I call it Interested? You guys know because I'm interested in the people that I'm talking to and interviewing. And I'm excited about this week's episode because we're going back to Washington, D.C., where we interview uh, a new friend of mine. He's, uh, if you're into politics, you'll love this stuff. He's the founder and president of Americans for Tax Reform. He's the tax man, uh, and he's an American political advocate. So I hope you guys enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Mr. Grover Norquist. The biggest difference between the two parties is not abortion or guns. The issue that divides the two parties uh, is the tax issue. So my co-host that I have to help me out with this th- this interview is an old friend of mine named Argus. Ham- is it Argus Hamilton the third or Argus James Hamilton the third? Polly Paul Montgomery Shore. Paul Montgomery Shore. Ar- Argus is a is uh, a comedian here. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But tell the people that are listening, like who the hell is Grover Norquist? Grover Norquist, without a doubt, is the nation's leading proponent of economic growth. And political power mm. through lower taxes and wow. lower government spending. Wow. So he's a political guy. He's huge among the conservative right. crowd, the Fox News crowd, and all of the big lobbyists in Washington, D.C. Right. who want less taxes and lower right. spending. And your, your background is political comedy. You've been doing political comedy for years, correct? Yes. I graduated from the University of Oklahoma in 1976 with a degree in British history. Right. But I came straight out to the comedy store as a stand-up. Wow. I'd done stand-up throughout college. My grandfather... His best friend was Will Rogers growing up in Indian Territory, and Will is my hero. So this is going to be great. You'll really be able to comment on on Grover. He's like the tax man. The low tax man. The low tax man. So what happened was I was doing some stand-up comedy in Magoobies in Baltimore, which is very close to D.C., and I got a hold of Grover through a friend of a friend, and I went to Grover's. I would say it's like a kind of like a brownstone or, or one of those type of buildings in the afternoon on a Saturday afternoon. I was able to sit down with him for a little. His kids were there. His, his wife was there, and they were nice enough to let me kind of go inside their house. Yeah, Republicans always have wives and children, Paulie. <laughs> right. So here they are. Uh, this is me interviewing Grover Norquist. This is going to be a fun, and you're going to hang out with me and Absolutely. comment? Absolutely. This cool. will be a Give it up for Argus. All right. Thanks, guys. So how do you pronounce your name? Because when they told me I was coming to see you, I knew who you were. I'd seen you on different TV shows talking. But is it Grover, wait, Grover oh, Norquist? Grover Norquist. 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 Not governor. Right. Grover. Right. Do people mistake you for governor? Well, there's some names sort of go- governor. Governor, yes. Sometimes people say governor when they mean Grover. <laughs> I, I was. I went to your wife was nice enough. I had to use the bathroom when I got, when I came here, and I, I walked and I saw the pictures on the wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Republicans. A lot there, of Republicans, but you have a John Stewart hat. So I'm confused. I don't know which way to go with. Right? Look at this. <laughs> is the John Stewart. John Stewart, The Daily Show hat. So are you Republican or are you Democrat? Oh, I'm a Republican. Oh, you uh, are. I do political work. I largely fight against higher taxes. So the Democrats keep raising the taxes? or the, I mean, what's yeah. – I mean – The biggest difference between the two parties is not abortion or guns. They're, they're Democrats who are pro-life. They're Democrats who won't steal your guns. But the issue that divides the two parties most completely mm. – uh, is the tax issue. And I do the no tax increase pledge. I ask all candidates, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, uh, to sign a pledge to the American people, not to me, but to the American people, saying I will vote against and oppose 
any effort to raise taxes. Mm. Tax reform, fine. Tax cuts, fine. So, no tax increase. So you always hear Obama saying they need to ra- we need to raise taxes because there's such a huge debt in mm. the world, you know, because of whether it's the war, whatever it yeah. is, there's just – it seems like um, – they want to raise the taxes so they can offset all the destruction that's been had. Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, it, two things. It's true. The president has been an advocate each year of raising taxes. Uh, Obama said he would not raise taxes on anyone who earned less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And what do you think about that? It took him six days to break that promise. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry. Six. Have you, met, have you met Obama? I don't think I have actually. Really? Uh, I mean, not. Because you're, it seems, it seems like. Correct me if I'm wrong. I see a da- the Daily Show. I see, you know, your hat. I mean, are you way right? Or are you middle right? Or are you? Because I know there's stuff. About, I mean, I want to talk to you a little bit about yeah. the Tea Party and well, de- all that difference. It depends. I mean, you seem very conservative. Yes, but then you also don't seem conservative. Well, because it depends on the issues. I'm very conservative on keeping taxes low and keeping spending low. But you're also a stand-up comic. I do some stand-up comedy. Right. I'm, I'm so, also which on... is funny because you. Pro- I bet you're really funny because when I found out that you did stand-up comedy, I was like, because you probably have a really great dry sense of humor, like very straight. That's that which is, is how hysterical. I play. Sweeter than magnolia, sweeter than sugar cane, sweeter than the... So here we're taking a little break. Um, um, I'm here with Argus. So when we were listening to that part back, you just kind of looked a little weird. Like, what's up? What he is, Paulie, is he is a 1776 libertarian. Right. <laughs> I'm, to, I'm to the right of him, Paulie. Now, listen, right. I'm a royalist. I'm right. more conservative than he is. Yeah. Okay, but I believe what we, about the fact that he said he does stand-up? Is that, did you know he I've did stand-up? I've never heard him do stand-up. Isn't that weird? I'm sure everybody laughs at his jokes at these conservative crowds. Right. They worship him. They worship they him. They worship him. I'm to the right of him. I think we ought to ask Queen Elizabeth to forgive us okay. and take us back. <laughs> okay. We're going to keep coming. But isn't that wild that he does stand-up? I'm sure he quotes Reagan and gets big laughs. Right. Here we go. Walking in tall cotton. Walking in tall cotton. Who's your favorite, who's your favorite comic? Like if you were, you know. Steve Wright. Steve Wright. Yeah, yeah. Steve Wright's great. I do political humor when I'm talking to Republican or conservative groups. I do family and observational humor when I'm uh-huh. working a club. Yeah, so you started with, with, with um, I mean, how long have you been? You're 57. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And you've been doing this for how many years? 40 years? Oh, I've been political since I was 12. I was working on the presidential election in 68. With Nixon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he didn't let you join his uh, thing, or he did? Because he said but, you had long hair or something. Yes, yes, actually. I In, in 68, I just worked in the campaign, took the train into Boston and worked and on the campaign. And you went to Harvard? Harvard, Harvard undergrad yeah, and then yeah. B school, yeah. God, but, what was Harvard like? Uh, Harvard was a lot of fun. Harvard Back was a lot day, more right? open. Yeah. Uh, I worked at the Harvard Crimson, which was a student um, conservative uh, student paper, very left wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also worked. Uh, so, what made you start going more to the right? Well, I was always right of center because in foreign policy I was, as, I was anti-Soviet and I thought the Soviet Union mm. was a bad idea. I thought communism was a bad idea mm. and I thought we had to sort of decide which way the world was going. Uh, Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. The Chinese are communist in name Because I only. saw pictures of you on the wall with an, an Asian guy. Who's that guy? It's oh, kind of like the younger Asian guy. Oh, yeah, Prime Minister of Japan. Yeah. He had me over and I met with him on tax wow. policy. They actually cut marginal tax rates. Wow. Uh, so that was helpful. Uh, I you also, are Mr. Tax. Mr. A- Mr. Low mis- Tax. So, so again, back to the gentleman on the wall. You have um, – I saw pictures. You, you met Ronald Reagan 
At what what age were you? Because you're kind of young then, obviously. Yeah, I worked. That was in the '80s. 1980 campaign. Wow. What did you uh, do? I think for one Reagan? of the pictures is I uh, helped organize a fundraiser for him in New Hampshire, mm. uh, just before he won the New Hampshire uh, primary. Wow. And uh, so that was a, a big, uh, big, big thing. thing for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so some of the other guys on the wall, you have uh, George W. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I read um, and did a little research about you that you helped him get elected. I was active in his uh, original campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a lot of political work for him uh, there. I preferred him to McCain at the time. Uh, uh, I worked for McCain later when he ran in 2008. Because I, I, remember, I remember George Bush um, being on TV a lot. And, you know, when he was the president, I remember, I remember you being with him a lot. I, I worked with him. I worked with his... Uh, Folks, they were very good. They didn't raise taxes. There was a small tax cut each of the eight years he was how, how would president. He say, how would he say your name when you'd come to the Hey, man, there's Grover, right? Uh, we went with— Because he was very, you know, tech— Do you ever talk to him? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Still? Uh, no. Not, Sometimes? Not since he left. I, I haven't run into him since he moved back down right. to Texas. I was down in Waco, which is just down the street from where he lives, but right. I, I didn't think I could just sort of drop in. So, yeah, we're here with Argus Hamilton. Thank you for sitting in and co-hosting with me. Nice to be with you, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you think about that? He was with Reagan and stuff? Yes. He Isn't was, that crazy? He was in that young Reagan youth generation wow. in the early 80s. For him to be a conservative coming mm. out of Harvard in the late 70s when everybody was partying their asses off and just wanting to, to be nihilistic and stuff, for him to be a conservative in, mm. that, uh, in that time and era is amazing. Mm. It really is. He really does stand out as singularly exceptional because yeah. guys like that mm. in that era, they were crazy. Mm. Cokeheads, drinkers, yeah. uh, You were Democrats. a cokehead for a while. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I hated coke. I just loved the way it smelled. Boom, boom. But, you know, so what do you think about that he was with Reagan, though? He was chewing around with him. He was helping him. Uh, he was Reagan's entree to mm. the baby boom. He wow. served a very valuable purpose wow. for uh, just for what you were saying, Paulie, because yeah. in 1980, 81, Nancy Reagan declared war on drugs, and all the baby boomers decided to settle down and buy property. The baby boomers settled down in the 80s, mm. and Grover Norquist was Reagan's point man to the baby boom generation. Right. He was very important So you've to known who this guy is for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah he's he a makes, really nice he guy. He makes all Republican candidates sign a no-tax increase pledge before they'll get that support. That's hysterical. He's very powerful. Cool. So here we go. So I'm t- again, I'm there with him at his place. I went to the bathroom. You know what I mean? He let me use the bathroom at his place, and I'm walking down, and I see all these different people on the wall, right, yeah. that he's with, and he's there. Was the flush handle on the right? I don't Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, no, I don't remember. Polly Shore, Argus Hamilton, and are you still interested? Absolutely. This guy's interested. Yeah, he's awesome. He really right? is. Walking in is the political business very similar to Hollywood, meaning you guys kind of all work together, but when the cameras are off, you kind of... Go your separate ways. There's there's a lot of that. Right. Um, there, there like, do you hang you out with, with any people when the cameras are off that you know other people would be familiar with? Uh, well, we're talking about doing comedy. I help recruit people for uh, a show called Funniest Celebrities in D.C. So once a year, you get people who aren't politicals, who aren't comedians. Uh, I got uh, Ralph Nader this yes. year. Yes, uh, I met, I met Ralph. He's in the... Did he, he tell t- you about his uh, stand-up? No, he didn't tell me about his stand-up. He, he did okay. Uh, <laughs> we had Lieberman, the Democrat former congressman from uh, Connecticut, who mostly made fun of the fact that he wasn't funny. 
uh-huh. uh, which was true, but it was funny uh, that he wasn't. Uh, and we had uh, Arlen Specter, uh, late senator from uh, Pennsylvania, who told six of the oldest, longest, shaggy dog, dirty jokes you've ever heard. What type of stuff? <laughs> Not that I want to put you on the spot, but yeah. what type of stuff? Do you, what type of material do you do? Is it it's all political? No, no, it's actually very little political. I'll have uh, one-liners. Every once in a while, I'll do some political stuff. But because in the audience in D.C., it's going to be half left of center, half right. right of center. You can't tell a joke where the underlying assumption that makes it funny right. is that everybody. So, what are some of the jokes? Like, your, what's your opening joke? But I opened up. I carried a, a glass of bourbon on stage, right. and right. I said bourbon. Neat, no ice, right. no water. Right. That's funny. I right. never, I never drink water. Right. Dick Army tortures people with it. Right. <laughs> and That's it, great. And it gives people, an, gives it right. an awkward taste. Right. Sweeter than the sweet south winds, which calls my name. I mean, I, obviously, hey, we're we're still here. This is Polly Shore, Argus Hamilton. Say what's up. He meant to say Dick Cheney tortures people with. Yeah, that's what he. What did he say? Dick Army. Oh, Dick Army. But it's still, still, I mean, I think, line. yeah, it's a funny line. Yes, it is. That's a great line. It was pretty, it was interesting because that line, it seemed like it was um, anti-Cheney. Yes, it was. Yeah. And it shows but he'll, then, do, he'll do anything for a laugh. Right, which now, is good. Now, but, I'm not sure, because if he was really a crusader, he would go up there, and if he was really a stand-up poly, mm, mm. he would go up on stage and sell them on his personality and on his outlook. Yeah. He would take those liberals and turn them into moderates. He would take the conservatives and turn them into acolytes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grover, if you're listening to this, I know you are. This is Argus Hamlin. Say what's up to him. Hey, Grover, nice talking with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. Argus has been doing stand-up for a long time, and because I told Grover that I would introduce him to the comics here at the comedy store because I know he does Bill Maher sometimes. Yeah. And you would you would help him kind of go on stage here at the store, right? Absolutely. If Grover came. I'd introduce him. All right, Grover. So you got your six minutes. All right, we're going to keep on cruising and listen to some more Grover. Uh, Norquist, Polly Shore uh, on the podcast with Argus Hamilton, my co-host um, with Interest. Here we are. Yeah. Do you think there's any um, racism that's going on between... Um, I don't know. The, the Repu- I mean, again, I don't live here. I'm not in this world. I look at it from afar. And it seems, you know, is, is the Tea Party racist? Is there or, you know, is there people that look Obama and he's like, oh, he's a black president. I'm going to give him shit. You know what I mean? Or is there the, what do you think? I've heard that argument. That? Well, first, of all, I think it's a completely unfair cop on the Tea Party movement. Because now, you're behind that. I mean, or it, it, I wouldn't say behind it, but you're involved with it. Yes, I've spoken yeah. to many Tea Party groups. I've read stuff they've written. I've written for their publications. Uh, the, look, the Tea Party uh, is best understood. A million people went into the streets. So what about, though, what, what about my last question, though, just yeah. about the whole racism thing towards our president? Well, the president— Do you think John Boehner is a little bit racist? No, not at all. Not a, have you met not. him before? Oh, yes, yeah. I've known him. Nice guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and why does it seem again from afar that he is so like I don't know? He feels like he wants to strangle the president sometimes. Obama and the president each want to move. You mean Obama diff- and Boehner? Obama and Boehner, right? Each want to move in different directions. Mm. Ob- but isn't there like a happy medium? No, <laughs> not 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 on not on size of government. There are issues one can uh, compromise on or, or come to agreement on, and Obama- it has nothing to do with race. You don't think? No, because we had these we had these same fights when 
there were white Democratic presidents. Right. Okay. Uh, also, remember, Obama has been popular. He's been unpopular. Right. He gets elected by big numbers and then by less numbers. Mm. His whether people like him or don't changes month by month. His mm. race doesn't change month by month. Right. People are judging him on what he does and what he says. They're mad now because he kind of told them something that wasn't true when he said you could keep your health care. That doesn't have anything to do with your color of your skin. Right. It has everything to do with whether people feel you fib to him. So we're taking a little break. Um, I would definitely want to hear Argus's take on if he, if he thinks um, uh, Boehner is, is racist towards our president. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. He, if, if, he, if he's anything... He's, he's pro-Indian as much as he uh, goes under the uh, solar lamp. He's pro-Indian? Yes. Oh, because Boehner likes to, to bake himself? Exactly. He likes to be tan. Exactly. Yeah, because he's always tan. Exactly. So he, he likes black people. John Boehner uh, comes from a diverse district in Ohio. Wow. He's a regular guy who plays golf. Mm. You bought into an MSNBC charge against the Tea Party mm. that they must be racist. Just because they're overwhelmingly white. Mm. Is there any black people that are in the Tea Party? There are a lot of black conservatives, from what I see, when that I'm are in the Tea the Party. Every time I've seen footage of the Tea Party, it's a bunch of white people with signs. Well, this country is seventy percent white, right? And uh, and the, the, the people who would want to protect liberty, private property, and free enterprise mm. are overwhelmingly white. Mm. That doesn't make them wrong, mm. and th- but that does allow MSNBC to just take their inventory. Do you think and call black? Do you think black people think uh, Boehner's racist? I don't think so. I no. think they can smell racism, and I don't think if I don't smell it out of Boehner, because I'm a Southerner, I can mm. smell it. Right. They don't either. Right. All right. So we're just again we're we're going into some more stuff here, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Everyone's got a different point of view, and I think we're all just kind of interested in listening to what people have to say about this. I'm sure you guys have a have your own opinion about it as well. So we're gonna keep moving, and uh, we'll be back. Here we go. Just song for my baby, just song for my girl. Changing back to the uh, subject of tax stuff, since that's yeah. your you're the expert. You're like the guru tax man. Um, so you want to tax marijuana? No, no, and I'm so glad everyone should listen to this podcast because this this has gotten completely ripped out of uh, context. Here was the question. In Colorado, they legalized marijuana, marijuana, not just for medicine but for personal use, okay? Also in Washington State, but the the Colorado law is much better. Mm. And the question I got was if a Republican voted to legalize marijuana and tax it like you do – uh, cigarettes or uh, another product, is that a violation of the pledge? And I said, it's not a violation of the pledge uh, because legalizing it and treating it the way you would alcohol is not a tax increase. It's legalizing a product. If on a lot of states, this comes up, legalizing Sunday sales of liquor. Mm. Is that a tax increase? Mm. No, it's not. It's taking the same product that was illegal to sell on Sunday, allowing you to sell it on Sunday, and the tax on alcohol just is on Sunday what it was on Saturday and Monday. So my argument was uh, it's not a tax increase if you just treat it like other products, except you now legalize it. Is marijuana legal pretty much in almost – it's not in every state, obviously, but it's kind of like – you remember that old uh, TV show Bonanza? Yes. Where the with the fire kind of going through it, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like marijuana and gay marriage at the same mm-hmm. time 
are taken over state by state by state by state. What do you think about that? I think what you're going to have with marijuana. A flaming gay <laughs> marijuana takeover. I think those are two different issues. Right. We might, for both the marijuana people and the gay rights people, we might want to separate them. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was a lot of stuff. That's very funny, Paul. But it's true, though. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, I mean, it's going to happen. I think that I think if you look at America, there's a big map. I think everything to the left is going to be gay marriage and mar- legalizing marijuana, and everything to the right, except for maybe New York, will be. You know what I mean? But Alabama and 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 Texas and. In those type of places, maybe not, you know, in the South, I don't think you're going to have the, the, the gay marriage and, the, and legalizing the marijuana. I just think it's too conservative out there. If America were to, to secede and break up right now, it would look like Pakistan on one side, yeah. Bangladesh on the other, and India in the middle. Wow. Who's India? India would be the red states. The red states. Yes. So what do you think about the whole, you know, marijuana is legal. And I mean, I've just, I've talked, I'm, I've talked to some people in Denver and it's funny. No wonder they call it the mile high stadium. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's perfect now. Right. But I've talked to some people and like, it's fucking legal there, dude. And That's weird. Right. Did you see the news in today? our lifetime? Did you see the news today? No, they're running out. They're completely running out of pot. Fucking believable. Get this. And they've changed the state uh, tourist motto to come to Colorado for the scenic beauty. Stay because you can't remember where your car is. <laughs> right, that's great. But that's amazing. So you can basically smoke pot on your porch. Yeah, and and it's, and it's and all it's just destroyed the murder rate in the last three weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, because your murders are basically your bur- murders are basically restricted to whoever's within reach of your couch. That's crazy. So, for instance, like during the Super Bowl or during the playoffs on NFL, and people want to go to Mile High Stadium and get high, can they? I mean, can they do it at, at stadiums and type of places? No, like- I believe it's restricted uh, to where children might be. I oh. mean, think you have to be indoors. Right. So they should have made it an indoor stadium. Yeah, exactly. That's hysterical. So, so what do you think about taxing marijuana? Yes well, or no? Absolutely. They're going to have to tax it. That's yeah. the only way they were able to sell it to the property owners because right. they thought it would help keep property taxes low. So this is good. It is. Uh, it's, it's a baby boomer's dream. Right. My point is, is that the kids never stop with marijuana. If they're like me, they yeah. keep going till yeah. Betty yeah. Ford calls. We're here with Grover and with my co-host Argus Hamilton. It's Argus Hamilton the third, correct? Argus James Hamilton the third. All right, here we go. We're cruising along. So what's your take on gay marriage? Uh, I run a taxpayer group, so I don't have an opinion on everything. Uh, I do serve on the board of uh, advisors for Geo Proud, which is the gay Republican group, which is supportive mm. of having gays involved in the Republican Party and treating them, them with respect. So, um, Are there a lot of Republicans coming out of the closet that are gay? Well, I'm not part of the group because I'm gay. I'm cheerfully married and everything. I'm but, gay. Um, well, that, the world is... Open no, I'm everybody just kidding. Should. I'm not kidding. I wish I were, though. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the, uh, what the uh, Republicans need to do is speak to all communities, including gay uh, Americans, and explain why freedom is in their best interest and why they should work with them. And I do that with different ethnic groups and religious groups, and I certainly uh, have always uh, felt that we should be speaking more wisely and more kindly and more gently to the gay community as well. Sweeter than the sweet south winds, So, hey, hey guys, I hope you're well. Um, we're, we're still here. We're, we're, we're listening to the whole thing about his take on gay marriage. What do you think? 
Well, Republicans have an interesting angle on uh, gay outreach. They have an entire club called the Log Cabin Republicans. Wow. And they call themselves Log Cabin Republicans after Abe Lincoln because huh. they have documented evidence that Lincoln was gay. Wow. And he was obviously, he was, they say he was gay. Obviously, he wasn't into bondage considering the war. But right. he, uh, well, he had his log, right? Yeah, he did. His log was there. That was but, part of his penis. But they, they absolutely uh, believe that Lincoln was gay, and they try to organize gay support for the Republican Party, particularly among libertarian gays, uh, through log cabin so, Republicans. So why is it? Why is it that you think that, you know, like you, if you always hear liberals and, and Democrats like openly gay, you never hear Republicans openly gay. So a lot of the Republicans are not openly gay, but they're really gay. That's because many of the Republicans you know about and are famous happen to be from the South and in these red states mm. that are raised Baptist and evangelicals. And it's still a mark of shame for many of them to come out and be gay. Mm. So do you, think, do you think they'll ever come out? They're Absolutely. Pretty it's, soon. It's right? just like that Bonanza fire you talk about. Yeah. It's, it's going to burn everywhere. It's going to burn everywhere. But just a big flaming America. Everyone's gay. It's awesome. And well-dressed. <laughs> well-dressed. Okay, here With we go. accessories. That's right. So what do you think that uh, – I mean, what do you think about that Obama wants everyone to have health care? What do you think about that whole thing? Well, I would the le- like – The legal – you know, everyone has to have it. Okay. Well, there are two things. I think everyone should have health care also. Uh, yeah, because – but before think... Obamacare, everyone doesn't have health care. Well – no. Before Obama, if you walked into a hospital and you had no money at all, they took care of you. Everyone in the country had health care. Yeah, they took care of you, but you got a fat bill. No, actually, not if you were poor. Um, really? No, because what Obama said was, right now you go into a hospital, you have no money, you're not a citizen, or you're poor, or you say you're poor. They have to take care of you. Okay, They're, they're stuck with you. Yeah. The law requires the hospital uh, to, to take care of you. That said... Uh, Obama said, that's terrible. What we're going to do is force those people to buy insurance. We're going to tax you and buy insurance for some of them. Not all of them, just some of them. Uh, And the number of people who are getting insurance out of Obamacare is actually a very low number. It's not a very big number. We're still leaving millions that don't have insurance. I think the most important thing we can do is reduce the cost of health care and the cost of insurance. Obama's moving us in the other direction all of these plans he has are raising the cost of health care um, for most Americans. So I think what he says he wants to do and how he's going about it don't match. Mm. And he has more faith that when the government says we're going to run the post office, we'll do it well, that that's true. I tend to think I want mail delivered, whether it's by email or FedEx or UPS. A government monopoly is not the best way to deliver the mail, run the motor vehicles department, or handle health care. So do you think this thing's ever going to get worked out? Life is messy. Politics is messy. Um, I hope it will. So you're saying it's like a, a world of swirl, like people are going to sign up and then they're going to get screwed? Well, right now, if you look at uh, what they're selling versus what people used to be able to buy, you're pushing people into higher cost health care, particularly for men, but for women also. Do you have do you have health care? Absolutely. You do? Yeah. Did you get Obamacare? No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why not? Because Obamacare is like one of those hospital gowns that tie in the back. You just think you're covered. Right. Okay? What 
Obamacare does is How do you it, know that it, for it, sure? Because I've read it. Really? Right? Well, Obamacare is insane. It tells 20-year-old kids that it tells men you have to be covered for uh, giving birth, and mm. it tells women they have to be covered for testicular issues. Mm. It's, it's crazily overinsured. But on the bright side, for the first time in her life, Chaz Bono is covered either way. Right. <laughs> so seriously, though, all joking aside, like, why is this thing a debacle? Like, what's going on with it? It's more about that civil war you and I were talking about. Mm. The people who want to control the, the country from the state, they want everybody controlled through Obamacare. The Republicans who believe in liberty want to get rid of all the interstate uh, restrictions on insurance and make it cheaper by making it uh, national. There's state restrictions on insurance policies mm. to keep it expensive now. But but absolute freedom of the market would make insurance much cheaper than Obamacare. These Obamacare so, policies are five 600 a month. Yeah, what about if, like, you know, because the thing is most people have health insurance, especially the middle class and most of the, the, the upper class. But then there's people that are poor that now they can have health insurance. It's kind of like no, in the, Canada. The, the poor have Medicaid. Oh, they, they already have What's their, the difference between Medicaid and health insurance? Medicaid is health insurance for the poor. Wow. Okay. Anybody who's middle class, they're aiming for people who are in the middle class and in their 20s that don't have insurance. Okay. Okay. And then people later on who don't have insurance. The problem is only older people are signing up for it who are going to get sick. Mm-hmm. They need kids in their 20s to sign up for it who will help uh, fill and the pool of money. And they're not supporting it? They're not supporting it. And then what about Canada? What do they have up there? Canada has single payer. So what's the difference between that? marijuana. No, just joking aside. I don't want to joke. I'm serious. What's the difference between the stuff that's going on in Canada and the the Obamacare? Because everyone always – like you always hear Canadians. I have some great Canadian friends. There's probably Canadians that are listening to this right now. They're going, your shit's a disaster down there. The stuff we have up here makes sense. So what's the difference between Canada's health care system and then the American's health care system? By adding to your information that you just gave, that Phoenix is full of Canadians who say our health care system is the best in the world compared to theirs. Mm-hmm. Theirs is a nationalized system like the one set up in Britain in 1946, mm-hmm. okay, in which all health care is taken care of by your taxes. It's socialized medicine. Right, right, right. Now, so. the problem is the long lines and the tawdry uh, treatment, uh, it, it makes it – Easy for some and very difficult for others. But Grover Northquist came come a long way because until he came along, the Republican attitude toward health care was basically don't get sick in the first place. Huh. Wow. All right. Well, we got a little bit more, and I think we're going to say goodbye to Grover soon. Let's hear the last little part here. Hope you guys are still interested. This is Polly Shore and Argus Hamilton. We're here, so check it out. Well, um, good luck, and uh, I guess thank you for sitting down with us. Hope you people listening learn some stuff about tax stuff. I'm still a little confused because it's 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 pretty difficult. You got to be honest for people that it's difficult on yeah. purpose. It, oh, really? The government makes it confusing enough that it's tough for you to decide. Who and then to, eventually, who you're who just to be like, mad screw at? It. Yeah, yeah, you're like, screw it. Right? Just pay, write the check. <laughs> They'll go away. Wow. All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Wow. Thanks, you guys. That, that was great. That's the end. But it's just the beginning, right? Polly, you scored an interview with wow. Mr. Conservative. Wow. And you heard him commit himself to several uh, issues that conservatives don't like to talk about. Yeah. Marijuana. 
yes. gay marriage. Yeah, yeah, Normally, yeah. you talk to a, a Republican about same-sex marriage. They say, hey, my wife and I have been having the same sex for 46 years. <laughs> right, right, you know? right. But you got him to talk about it. Yeah, it was yeah. a good interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. He was just a, a really sweet guy. Grover, I want to thank you and thank your wife for letting me come inside your home when I didn't really know you that well. And he let me sit down with him and take up some of his time. Also, if people want to see you or hear you, they come to the – tell us the people that they want. Well, Paulie, I'm on every night at your mother's great comedy store here on mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard. I'm on at 915. And if you'd like to read my monologue jokes, they're in a whole bunch of newspapers every day. You can go to ArgusHamilton.com. Right. We'll have some fun every day. Cool, cool. Well, thank you for, for being part of my Thanks part for having my, me, Paul. Yeah, thanks for being part of my program. And hopefully all the people listening, they got a little bit more educated about tax stuff. I'm still confused about the whole tax thing. Well, you're Polly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, guys, see ya. All righty. Well, that was pretty cool, you guys. I hope you learned a lot. I know I did. Um, where are my pundits out there? I want to put a special shout-out and a thank you to Grover Norquist. And his Twitter is at Grover Norquist. Argus Hamilton, thank you for coming. Um, and his Twitter is at Argus Hamilton. All right, so we want to tee up next week's episode. Um, this is actually the final episode of this particular season, and uh, I want to tee it up pretty nicely. We're going to go to another direction. I hope that you guys are into sports. Any sports fans out there? We're going to. Um, I sit down with the the dude with the beard. Remember the dude with the beard? He's a pitcher. Uh, he's not a, 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 you know, an, an NBA player. He's a pitcher. Um, I don't want to tell you what, what team he's on, but he's a pitcher. And his name, uh, we got him, uh, or he was on the San Francisco Giants, and his name is Brian Wilson. Let's just put it this way. After every meal, i got to pick things out of it. Well, that's it, you guys. Um, oh, I want to put a special shout-out to Tim Ray for playing the music under Argus Hamilton. Follow me on Twitter, which is at Polly Shore. If you haven't seen the documentary, it's out there. Polly Shore stands alone. My website is PollyShore.com for information of where I'm touring and what's going on in my life. And um, I guess we'll see you next week. I hope you're still what? I still hope you're still interested. Bye, guys. Bye.